Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. So we're in the middle of a preaching series on the heart of Christ. We've been asking these questions, who is Jesus? What moves him? What compels him? What is his posture towards sinners and sufferers? And we've seen that his heart is gentle and lowly. He is compassionate. He is our high priest who intercedes for us. He is a beautiful friend. I don't know about you, but I've been loving this series, uh, The Heart of Christ. There is a question, though, that arises in many people's minds when we're talking about the heart of Christ, and that is, well, what about God the Father? What about the Old Testament? Is this heart, this gentle and lowly heart, unique to Jesus in the New Testament only? Are the heart of God and the heart of Christ in agreement? Many Christians believe or grew up believing that while Jesus shows them love and grace, God the Father is disappointed, angry, or upset with them. Some have been taught to ignore the Old Testament or to, to view it as essentially uh, irrelevant, something they could do without It seems to many like the God of the Old Testament is arbitrarily vindictive and wrathful, whereas the God of the New Testament is a God of love and grace. That's actually not what we find when we look closely at the Old Testament. When When we look at the passages there, what we find is that there's one word in the Old Testament that's used over and over again to describe God's heart, and it's a Hebrew word. It's the word hesed. Or if I was pronouncing it correctly, chesed, chesed. You've got a you get a little bit of that phlegm in the back of your throat, chesed, right? So, but I'm not going to say chesed all the time because every time I do that, COVID-19 just spews all the way to the back wall. So, chesed. 246 times chesed is used in the Old Testament. Chesed is probably the richest word in the whole Bible. Over the centuries, translators have struggled to to fully capture it with English words. In just six different English versions, it's translated 169 different ways. So we're going to look at just a few passages in the Old Testament uh, that use the word hesed. And as we're doing that, we're asking this question, what is the heart of God? How do we see that heart in Christ? And how do we apply it to our lives? So if you're uh, willing and able... And in person, would you stand? You can follow along on the the screens. So hear God's word for you this morning. First from Exodus 34. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, faithfulness, 
keeping Hesed for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Psalm 51, David's prayer after confessing his sin. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your Hesed, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with hesed and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands me and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices hesed, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The hesed of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And finally, from Micah chapter 6, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love Hesed and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, this is God's holy, infallible, and inspired word given for you this morning. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see wondrous things from your word. Soften our hearts. Draw us close to your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. So what is this enigmatic word, Hebrew word, hesed? Hesed is basically the combining of two ideas, love and commitment. Hesed is the combining of two ideas, love and commitment. Some versions translate it as loyal love, faithful love, unfailing love, covenantal love, steadfast love. Ask any parent or grandparent or teacher and they will tell you that every child ultimately really needs to know only two things to thrive. Is there someone who loves me? And is there someone who's for me? And when you become an adult, that doesn't change. Is there someone who loves me no matter what? And is there someone who is committed to me no matter what? The Bible answers those questions with an emphatic yes. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who is committed to you. His name is the Lord. He is the God of Hesed. Do you know him? Do you know his heart? So you've got a sermon outline uh, on the inside cover of your bulletin. If you want to take that out and uh, scribble on it, follow along. If you fill it all in correctly and turn it in after the service, you'll be fast-tracked to the front of the vaccine line right after service here. So we're going to consider three things this morning. The emphasis of Hesed, the extent of Hesed, and the exercise of Hesed. The emphasis, 
of Hesed, the extent of Hesed, and the exercise of Hesed. First, the emphasis of Hesed. When I, when I say the word God, what attribute or characteristic comes most naturally to your mind? It's the first thing that, that comes to your mind. For most people, I think, would say that uh, what comes to their minds when they hear the word God is holiness or glory or maybe justice. You know, God, he is the creator. He's all-powerful. Some of us, if we're being honest, would say the first word that comes to our mind is anger or even wrath. Now, all of those attributes of God, even his wrath, are true. But when you read the Old Testament, what is emphasized? What comes through more than anything else? I read from Exodus 34. Most Bible scholars agree that Exodus 34 is the most important passage in the Old Testament, maybe in the whole Bible. Uh, apart from uh, the, the revelation of Jesus himself, God tells us who he is. This is his very heart. Maybe you remember how the story goes. Moses asked God, please show me your glory. It's a very bold uh, question, right? Lord, please show me your glory. Um, to which uh, God says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. And I will cause all of my, what, to pass before you? Glory? Lord, please show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. What do you think of when you think of the glory of God? Do you think of goodness? God says, I'll cause all my goodness to pass before you. And so Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. The Lord hides him in the cleft of the rock. And he comes and he proclaims who he is to Moses. And see if you can hear the emphasis of what he's saying. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God holy and unapproachable. Is that what it says? The Lord, the Lord, a God disappointed and frustrated. No. The Lord, the Lord, a God exacting and precise. He says none of those things. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. The, that phrase in the Hebrew, slow to anger, is literally translated long of nostrils. Think about when someone gets angry. Where do they go? Right? God says, I'm long of nostrils. I don't get angry quickly. I'm not on a on a hair trigger, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in hesed, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping hesed for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But, and here you go, okay, now I was waiting for this, right? This is the part I was waiting for. But who will by no means clear the guilty? See, there it is. God is a God of wrath. He's a God of justice but do you notice how long it took for that to come up? It's almost like an afterthought at the very end, right? It's abundant uh, in uh, mercy, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in hesed faithfulness, thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And even when he talks about that, he says, I'll visit the sins of the fathers on the children, the children the, to the third and the fourth generation. Do you see the imbalance, right? He says, Forgiving iniquity and sin to thousands of generations. 
but, but visiting iniquity on the third and the fourth generations. The emphasis, right? Where is the emphasis? The emphasis of Hesed. The Lord is a God of wrath. He will punish sin. But the emphasis is on his mercy. The emphasis is on his grace. The emphasis is on his abounding, steadfast love. This is what pours, out, pours most naturally out of his heart. Is this the God that you know? Dane Ortland, in his book that we've been reading together, writes, There are some things that pour out of God more naturally than others. God is unswervingly just. But what is his disposition? What is he on the edge of his seat eager to do? If you catch me off Guard, what will leap out of me before I have the time to regain composure will likely be grouchiness. If you catch God off guard, what leaps out most freely is blessing. I have gotten the privilege uh, over many years to get to judge the Tropicana speech contests that our school, our fourth and fifth graders in our school, the whole fourth grade class, fifth grade class has to write a two to three minute speech. It's great for these kids to have to learn how to, you know, put together an introduction and the body of their speech and a conclusion. And then they have to get in front of their peers and, and give that speech. And so every class does that and they pick the top three out of each class. Uh, and uh, they, they pick winners for the fourth and the fifth grade. And those winners go to a, uh, a final runoff, uh, and the, the ultimate winners get to go into the county to do these speeches. And so I've gotten over the last several years to be the judge right at the kind of final stage of the school to determine who gets to go to the county. And it's so fun to hear these, these uh, fourth and fifth graders and, uh, and what they choose to talk about. And, and so I was doing it again this week, and uh, this, uh, this little fourth grade boy got up to give his speech. It was on what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he had, oh, I was told, just absolutely nailed it both times before this to get to this point. And so he gets up and he's doing really well and then all of a sudden he, he misses something in his speech and he starts to stumble. And he gets a little flustered and you can tell. And, uh, and then right in the middle of his speech, he dropped his cards. And, and he got down on the ground and he was putting them in order and trying to, to fix them. And, and Karen Pulaski, who's been doing these with me uh, for a long time as well, uh, was, was in there and, uh, and, and she said, you know, she's a mom of a boy. And she said, my heart, my heart just broke for this little boy. She said, it's all I could do to not leap out of my seat and rescue him, right? Tell him it's gonna be okay, you're doing great, we love you. So let me ask you a question. When you stumble, when you drop the cards, when you sin, what do you expect of God? Do you expect that he's gonna judge you? Do you expect that he's gonna go, oh. or do you expect that he's on the edge of his seat, ready to leap out and say, I love you, I have compassion for you, I forgive you. Do you know that God? The emphasis of Hesed. Miles Coverdale was um, uh, one of the early reformers, the Reformation. In 1535, he completed the first printed translation of the English uh, of the Bible into English. 
His friends called him Old Father Coverdale. And, uh, you know, he's part of that movement of the gospel and the emphasis on God's mercy and grace being discovered by men like Martin Luther and John Calvin. And uh, when Coverdale came to translate, uh, the Old Testament got to the word hesed. He searched all over the English, English language trying to find a word that he felt accurately captured. He couldn't do it, so he invented a word. And we still use that word today. He invented the word loving kindness. God's loving kindness. Have you experienced God's loving kindness? Now, sometimes our circumstances can make us doubt whether God is first and foremost a God of loving kindness and steadfast love. We think, if God really loved me, then he wouldn't be allowing fill in the blank to happen right now. If you've been a Christian for a while or if you grew up in church, then you might have heard someone quote these verses from Isaiah. We read them earlier in the service. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if you're going through something, if life's knocked you down, how does, the, how does that come off to you? How do those verses read to you? They, and they come off kind of cold, right? In isolation, these verses seem to be speaking of the sovereignty of God, that he does things for reasons that we can't understand. But there's not much comfort in them. God is indeed sovereign. He is in complete control of everything that takes place. But that's actually not what these verses are talking about. It's actually not what these verses are talking about. You see there where it says, uh, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. That phrase, that exact phrase, is repeated in only one other place in the Bible. Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his hesed toward those who fear him. You see, we've missed the emphasis. These verses are actually about God's steadfast love. Look again at the whole context that we read earlier. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you hear what God is saying? I'm not like you. My ways are not like your ways, because I'm a God of compassion. I'm a God of steadfast love. Seek me. Come to me. Don't doubt my love for you. Look at what Ortland writes. <clears throat> He says, God's heart of compassion confounds our intuitive predilections about how he loves to respond to his people if they would but dump in his lap the ruin and wreckage of their lives. He isn't like you. 
Even the most intense of human love is but the faintest echo of heaven's cascading abundance. His heartful thoughts for you outstrip what you can conceive. He intends to restore you into the radiant resplendence for which you were created. And that is dependent not on you keeping yourself clean, but on you taking your mess to him. He doesn't limit himself to working with the unspoiled parts of us that remain after a lifetime of sinning. His power runs so deep that he is able to redeem the very worst parts of our past into the most radiant parts of our future. But we need to take those dark miseries to him. So do you see now why the heart of God and the heart of Jesus are the same? It was Hesed, the steadfast love of God that sent Jesus. Jesus said, I came not to condemn the world, but to save it. He is the loving kindness of God incarnate. Yes, like the Father, Jesus is also holy and just and even a God of wrath, but that is not the emphasis. He is the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Do you know his heart? Have you experienced it? Michael Card is a Christian artist. I love how he defines hesed. He says, hesed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Jesus Christ came into this world, lived a perfect sinless life, died a perfect sacrificial death. Because of our sin, we have a right to expect nothing from him. And yet... He gives us everything. Hesed. So second, not only the emphasis of Hesed, but also the extent of Hesed. The extent of Hesed. Hesed is the combining, we said, of two ideas, love and commitment. Hesed is steadfast love, loyal love, faithful love, unfailing love covenant love. It's not just love in the abstract. It's love based on promise. Hesed is God's special commitment to the people with whom he has gladly bound himself in an unbreakable covenant bond. Over and over again in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible calls us to remember the promises that God made to the patriarchs, right? To remember the promises he made to Abraham and Isaac uh, and Jacob, the promises that he made to Moses and David. He made an everlasting covenant with them to be their God and to bless them. We read it from Lamentations 3, right? The hesed of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In our culture, we like to um, talk about and think about love that's based on feelings, right? And so our feelings drive our love, so that when uh, young couples get up and um, they write their own vows, they're very often something like, you know, I love you with all of my heart and I will always treat you like a prince and I will always respect you and I will always love you and I will always put you first. And, and I hear that, I just think, why would you stand up there and make vows that you're not gonna keep? I mean, in the very moment, you're... you're uh, you're betraying the fact that you're not going to do that. You're not always going to do that. You can't because what happens when you believe in love that's based on feelings, when the feelings go away, then love goes away, 
right? And I'm just going to tell you that in marriage, one day you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like you love the other person. And what are you going to do about that? The traditional marriage vows emphasize that when you're, when you're getting married, you're, you're making a covenant, right? You're promising that whether you feel like it or, lo- or not, I am with you. I will, I will love you, right? Um, Till death do us part. Paul Miller writes this. He says, Hesed is one-way love. Love without an exit strategy. When you love with Hesed love, you bind yourself to the object of your love no matter what the response is. So if the object of your love snaps at you, you still love that person. Because Hesed is a stubborn love. Now everything in our world, if you go to the store... Everything in that, in the, in the go to the grocery store, everything in that store has an expiration date on it, right? Milk, eggs, cereal, even Twinkies, believe it or not, have an expiration date. Everything in this world has an expiration date. There's one thing in this world that has no expiration date. It's the Hesed love of God. Steadfast love never ends. Let this sink in. If you belong to God, then there will never be a time when God throws up his hands and says, I'm done with you. Just let that sink in. There will never come a time where God just says, I'm done. I'm done with you. Steadfast, unfailing love. Love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. His never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So a couple sermons ago, I uh, um, talked about our new puppy and how frustrated I was with her and, you know, trying to, to, to deal with that. And people were really concerned after that sermon. They, they keep asking me, like, do you still have the dog? Did you give it away? Um, and uh, so no fears, no worries. We still have the dog. Um, she's still a terror. Uh, and, um, but here's a story that a positive dog story for you, okay, for you dog lovers out there. Um, so if you go to Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, then, um, uh, in right in the middle of the town square, uh, there's a restaurant and across from the restaurant is a statue. The restaurant is called Greyfriars Bobby and there's a statue of a dog across from it. And you might go, okay, what's that? What's the story? Well, in uh, 1850, a man named John Gray came to Edinburgh. He was coming to be a gardener, and he couldn't find a job as a gardener, and so he took a job with the police as a night watchman. And uh, one of the, the um, requirements to being a night watchman was that you had to have a, a dog with you. And so he took his uh, little uh, Sky Terrier, Bobby, and together they did the night watch, and they became like a staple in Edinburgh. And... Uh, about eight years after he had been doing this, uh, John uh, got tuberculo- tuberculosis, tuberculosis and died in the winter and uh, was buried in Greyfriars Cemetery. And uh, uh, what happened, um, the, the people of the town just couldn't believe. His little terrier, Bobby, stayed at the grave. And they couldn't get him to leave. They, they, they tried to... the, the the uh, uh, people at the cemetery tried to, to shoo him away. The, the man's family came and tried to, you know, get, get it to come home with them. Um, but he wouldn't leave. Day and night, 
he stood by uh, his master's grave. And so uh, local people started to feed him every day, give him lunch. And um, this went on. For 14 years, the dog stood by his master's grave uh, until he died. And so you go to Edinburgh, Scotland. You can go and you can see the statue. And at the base of the statue is an inscription. uh, And um, that inscription reads, Greyfriars Bobby died 14th January 1872, aged 16 years. Let his loyalty and devotion be a lesson to us all. You think, wow, awesome. What loyalty, right? What, what love. It's just a small picture of the steadfast love of God. The smallest picture. Uh, Frederick Douglass was a famous abolitionist, uh, grew up as a slave in uh, Maryland in the 19th century, uh, and he told the story of his uh, mother, At that time, they would um, separate uh, mothers from their kids. And so uh, Frederick Douglass' mother was uh, on a farm 12 miles away from her son. Uh, And he said that uh, his mother, after working all day long in the scorching heat of the tobacco fields, um, with her body, you know, crying out for rest, she would leave um, after the work was done in the evening. She would walk 12 miles to her son. She'd hold him in her arms and rock him to sleep, and then she would turn around and walk 12 miles back. Because if she was late, if she wasn't there in the morning, she would be severely punished. She did this every day. Just a small picture of the loyalty and faithfulness of Christ, the Hesed of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of Hesed because Jesus was the fulfillment of God's covenant promises to be our God and to bless us. He demonstrated steadfast love, faithful love, unfailing love, and he continues to do so. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is no expiration date on Jesus and his love, no extent to which he was not willing to go to show his love to his people. So, the emphasis of Hesed, the extent of Hesed, and then third and finally, the exercise of Hesed. What do I mean by the exercise of Hesed? Well, I would have used the word application, but I needed a word that started with E. So, exercise, the, the application of Hesed. How should we apply the Hesed heart of God to our lives? Again, I love what Ortland writes. He says, the Christian life from one angle is the long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades fall away, being slowly replaced with God's own insistence on who he is. This is hard work. It takes lots of sermons and a lot of suffering to believe that God's deepest heart is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. The fall in Genesis 3 not only sent us into condemnation and exile, the fall also entrenched in our minds dark thoughts of God, thoughts that are um, only dug out over multiple exposures to the gospel over many years. 
Perhaps Satan's greatest victory in your life today is not the sin in which you regularly indulge. Listen to that. Perhaps Satan's greatest victory in your life today is not the sin in which you regularly indulge, but the dark thoughts of God's heart that cause you to go there in the first place and keep you cool toward him in the wake of it. So what should we do with this Hesed love of God? How should we exercise it? How should we apply it? Well, first is uh, be bold with God. Be bold with God. What do I mean by that? Well, David was bold with God. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. But David was bold with God. We read it in Psalm 51. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your Hesed, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. David's saying, You've claimed that you're a God who will forgive, that you're a God of mercy. Okay, God, I'm taking you at your word. Forgive me. Show me your mercy. Be bold with God. God God says, come to me. Bring me your sin. Bring me your mess. I will have mercy. I will show compassion. I will forgive. Take him at his word. He has promised. He's covenanted. The author of Hebrews said, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Be bold with God. I love how Martin Luther put it. Uh, He said, God does not save those who are only imaginary sinners. So be a sinner and let your sins be strong, but let your trust in Christ be stronger and rejoice in Christ who is the victor over sin and death in the world. What's he saying? He's not saying go out and sin intentionally, go out and, and uh, you know, um, be loose with the grace of God. What is he saying? Be a sinner. It's okay. Bring your mess to God. That's the whole point. Admit that you don't have it all together. Take God at his word. He has said that he is a God merciful and gracious. So be a sinner but let your trust in Christ uh, overwhelm that. Um, so be bold with God. I love, you know, they made a, a film about Luther's life some time ago starring Joseph Fiennes, and I'm gonna show you a very short scene that I think was one of the highlights of the entire movie. I, when I saw it, I thought, I, I cannot believe that a Hollywood movie had this clear of a gospel presentation in it. So watch this clip. Unforgiving. That's how I saw God. Punishing us in this life, committing us to purgatory after death, sentencing sinners to burn in hell for all eternity. But I was wrong. Those who see God as angry do not see him rightly but look upon a curtain as if a dark storm cloud has been drawn across his face. If we truly believe that Christ is our savior, then we have a God of love. And to see God in faith is to look upon his friendly heart. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell, what of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction in my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. Where he is there, I shall be also. 
love that quote. I love that, that, uh, that clip there. So be bold with God. Take on his promise. He's a God who will forgive. Look on his kindly, friendly face. Be bold with God in the second. How do we exercise this? What do we do with this? Give Hesed away. There's an amazing thing about the word Hesed. Of all the times it's used in the Old Testament, not every time is it used of God. There are actually times where it's used to describe the kind of love that we should show. Where, where God says, he, he actually um, tells the people, you should show Hesed. And he's upset with the people because he hasn't, they're not showing Hesed. We read it in Micah 6, 8. He's told you, oh man, what's good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love Hesed? Those who've received Hesed, those who've received the steadfast love of God, are called to give steadfast love away. Jesus taught this in a parable called the parable of the unforgiving servant. Maybe you remember how uh, this man owed an unpayable, you know, just huge sum debt uh, to his master, and he falls on his knees, and he begs for his master's forgiveness, and his master forgives all of his debt and lets him go free. So he goes out, and he finds someone who owes him this small amount of money, and he begins to choke him and say, pay me back. And, and he says, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. And, and he throws him into jail. He will not forgive him. And, and the servants hear of this, and they bring the man back to the master. And what does the master say to him? I forgave you all of that debt. I had mercy on you. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant? The... Uh, Sale, Zach and Joyce Sale are missionaries in uh, Bulgaria, and uh, when they left, uh, maybe it was about a year ago to go, a little less than that, they, um, uh, they had a car, they had this little Honda Civic, is was in great condition, you know, good mileage, and uh, so uh, I was with a group of people the other day, and we were talking about, you know, our first cars, what you, when you were a kid, and you, what was your first car when, when you were growing up, and and uh, one of the guys in the car said, well, my, um, my kid, their first car was given to them by the sales. The sales, before they left, since they were going to Bulgaria, they couldn't take all this stuff with them, they, they gave my kid this Honda Civic for free. And somebody else in the car was like, what were they thinking? I mean, what? they're missionaries, right? They have no money. They need money. They're going to this foreign place. They've got three kids. I mean, what? possess them to just give a car away for free. He said, well, someone gave them that car for free. Because they had received, they wanted to give. You receive the free grace of God, the hesed love of God, you give it away. You remember David, uh, King David and uh, Jonathan experienced a kind of hesed love with one another, this faithful love. They were the closest of friends. And when Jonathan died, David uh, then asked around, he said, is there anyone left in Jonathan's house? Is there a descendant of Jonathan? Is there someone to whom I can show hesed love? Because he'd experienced it from, from Jonathan. He wanted to give that away to somebody. Is there anyone whom, to whom I can show hesed love? Was his question. You know, no one in our culture is asking that question. 
What are people in our culture asking? Is there anyone with whom I can be angry? Is there anyone whom I can cancel? But what do followers of Jesus ask? Is there anyone whom I can love? Is there anyone whom I can show steadfast love to because I've received it? We want to be a people, we want to be a church that is known for giving away the steadfast love that we've received. Uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1996, there was uh, a, um, uh, two counter-protests going on at the courthouse building. There, were, uh, there was a group of KKK Klansmen who had come, uh, and so uh, against them, a counter-protest of people uh, who were protesting against them uh, was in a section kind of cordoned off by a fence. So you had the, the, uh, this one group of Klansmen, you had this one group of people who were protesting their being there, and, uh, uh, and in the middle of that, there was an 18-year-old girl named Keisha Thomas. And uh, she's in high school, and uh, these, this protest is going on, and, and in the group of people who were, who were there against these uh, Klansmen, all of a sudden someone said, there's a Klansman! And they looked over, and right near them was a guy with a motorcycle uh, cut-off jacket. He had a Confederate flag uh, on the back. He had uh, an SS tattoo. Uh, and um, so this, this group began to try to chase him away. And, and he started to, to, uh, to run away, and he tripped, and he fell. And all of the protesters began to get around him and began to kick him and hit him with their picket signs. And Keisha Thomas, uh, in the middle of that, threw herself on top of him to stop them and to protect him. A uh, amateur photographer's there. She took a picture of it. This, uh, this picture became the uh, time photograph of the year in 1996. Now, that was 1996. You think that would be something that relevant today? Um, why would she do that? Why would she put her life at risk for someone who is diametrically opposed to her? Well, she's a Christian. She's received steadfast love from Jesus. So she's giving it away, even to people who hate her. I was uh, doing a funeral this week uh, for Paul Santinelli, a longtime member of our church, and uh, he, uh, his kids came up. It was beautiful. Uh, they all came up and gave really great eulogies of their dad, <laughs> but it was, it was kind of funny. They, they all started their eulogy the same way. They came up and said, uh, hey, my name is Paul Jr. I was my dad's favorite child. Hey, my name is Francie. I was my dad's favorite child. Hey, my name is Bonnie. I was my dad's favorite child. Um, and I got up after they were done, and I said, hey, my name's Brandon. I was Paul's favorite pastor. Um, you know, we said every child needs to know two things in order to thrive. They need to know, is there someone who loves me, and is there someone who's for me? Hesed it is love and commitment. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who is for you. And do you know what you can say with complete confidence and boldness? I'm his favorite. Let's pray. God, thank you for your hesed love.
never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Thank you for demonstrating that love to us in Christ. Would you draw us into your heart? Would you make us people who are moved by your love for us, that, that give it away, that live confidently and boldly, knowing that we belong to you? We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.